And so I want us to turn to Acts chapter 2 and to read from verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 22 says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not, be aban you will not abandon me to the realm of death. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Verse 29 said, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and he knew God and had promised him on oath that he would one day place one of his descendants on the throne. And then verse 31 says, Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of death, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not descend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to my feet. And then verse 36, I've emphasized in my Bible here, it says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Can you utter those words with me? Both Lord and Messiah. Can we do it one more time? Both Lord and Messiah. My friends, that's the gospel. Both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, and I, I want you to just read this part here. When, you know, the emphasis is on both Lord and Messiah. And it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the second time it was poured out after Pentecost. Amen. 
Do you see that? Can all of you say amen if you can see that? Very, very, very important theological statement this. So he says here, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Remember, there were about 120 of us, of them, and suddenly 3,000 got saved. Who was discipling the 3,000? The 120 people. And then scripture says here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued meeting together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Such a long portion of scripture. But my friends, I believe we need to go to the text. We need to read the text. We need to read the Bible. We need to soak our spirits in the word of God. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he lights the word of God in our hearts. And a fire erupts within us that cannot be extinguished. And I believe that God is wanting a people who... who um, allows their spirit to be soaked up by the word of God, and then we become like those whom the fire uh, can burn upon, whom the Holy Spirit can breathe upon. And later, later within the book of Acts, um, the testimony of the people will look at those men and women. They have turned the world upside down. Another testimony was made. They said, look at those men and women. They had been with Jesus. My friends, this is the result of what happened in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church, that church was never the same again. My friends, I believe that as a church, we need another fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. As the book of Acts tells us, with the word of God within our hearts and a passion for Jesus, that when people are with us in the workplace, they will say, we see that you've been with Jesus. when our children are at schools and all that is going on within our schools, that people would look at our children and they would say, wow, is this what it means to be with Jesus? When you and I are together and we're riding our bicycles, we're riding our motorbikes, we're going running and we're running past people and we're with them and they will say, is that what it looks like 
being with Jesus. Now, do you think that some of the reaction in the Word of God that I've mentioned is possible today? How many of you would say yes? Okay, very few of you actually. And so I hope I can convince you of that. I really, really do believe that our generation really needs a fresh revelation of Jesus through the glorious gospel that comes through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I have a huge optimistic view about the church. Since I was small, I loved the church. And I believe that the church, with Jesus Christ in the very center of her, is the hope of the world. And I believe that living in Switzerland, my friends, we cannot have any less of an expectation of which I've mentioned. For this kind of testimony that needs to go from the church, this testimony needs to touch the lives of this place that we live in. So often I feel so ill-equipped, so insignificant through my own personal testimony to accomplish that. But then I remember what the scripture says. And I would like us to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 37 again. Can you put that on the screen, please? The key verse is there. This is what the scripture says. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were mocked. And I've just put it in brackets here in my Bible. When it says they were cut to the heart, I put in brackets, they were mocked by Jesus Christ. And then the scripture says, and said to Peter and the other disciples, brothers, what shall we do? And then Peter replied, repent and be baptized. After the word repent, in brackets, I just put sins. Repent from your sins. And then he said, be baptized. What does that mean? We've got to step into Christ's death, burial, and resurrection by means of immersion into water. And he said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So he said, sorry, repent and be baptized. And every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in brackets I put the manifest presence of God. And then he says, the promise is for you and your children and for all afar off to all whom the Lord our God will call. I think this is paramount for us as a church. We cannot go on and look further at the book of Acts if we don't stop at this promise once again. When the outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place, it is no accident that right in the very center of this chapter, the Holy Spirit starts to speak about Jesus again. Doesn't speak about himself. He starts to speak about Jesus again. 
And my friends, I believe that as a congregation, um, certainly since I've been here the last eight and a half years, we've every year grown in speaking more and more about Jesus here, but also in our individual lives. And my friends, I never want us to lose this heart. And when you look at the scriptures here, uh, Peter ends off this passage here, and he says, this promise is for you, for those people there. And then he says, it's for your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, would you say it's for our generation? Yes. And my friends, I cannot Stop breathing without us experiencing greater revelations of that within our midst. When I look at our children coming in in just a few moments, my friends, I have huge expectation that what Peter says here is for us, but also for our children. Last week, I talked about a pile of wet wood, and I talked about a pile of dry wood. Uh, um, wet wood and dry wood. And I said, dry wood is easy to be burned when you put it a match on it. Wet wood, it's all smoke. But I saw the picture, and I saw the picture from Elijah and on Mount Carmel where both would start to burn because of the mercy and the grace of God, but also because of the promise that is given to us. My friends, this morning, I want to create an expectation, but also a desire within our lives concerning this promise. This is what should motivate you and I to say, Lord, I want you to throw me into the Word of God. And as I read the word of God, I ask you, Jesus, to come. And let me use the word that the scripture uses here. And just baptize me with the Holy Spirit. And you look and experience, or should I say you experience what it looks like within your life. What I've seen throughout the book of Acts, that when Jesus comes and he baptizes people, with the Holy Spirit of promise, it looks very differently from person to person. Agreed? And if you hadn't looked at it, read the book of Acts. I've been taught that it looks this way. And when I started to experience that wonderful presence of God, I started to realize that my experience is very different from Jenny's experience. And when I uh, started to know Ken, I started to realize that my experience is very different from Ken's. But the end result is that there's a fire that starts burning that makes Jesus even more precious to me and that helps me to reach out to others through the gospel in love that has a return that never would have come my way if it wasn't done through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been a pastor 
for the last 38 years in all different churches, different groups. And the one thing that remains with me as I step out of churches, moved into churches, out of certain groups, into other groups, that the thing that I need more than anything else is to make sure that I acknowledge and I walk with the person of the Holy Spirit. And when I do this, this Jesus, who is the Savior of my soul, this Jesus of, of Nazareth, who walked the face of the earth after he was resurrected and glorified, God had made him Lord. This Lord just increasingly becomes more precious to me every single day. Don't tell me it is because of my self-effort. God pours out his wonderful grace to us through the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Church, let's not neglect him. We do it to our own peril. I remember some wonderful experiences in my own personal life, but in the lives of others, when we do not neglect this wonderful person of the Holy Spirit. What happens is that Christians, after they've repented from their sins, and they baptized in water, as Scripture says here, you know, Paul says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Did you see some progression here? What's that progression? It says, Peter replied, repent from your sins. Be baptized in water. Every one of you, just some of you, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are for or for all the Lord will call. You know, and that is one instance where it happened this way. Then there is another instance in the book of Acts, and we're going to come to it just to kind of just mess up our formulas. Don't you love that when the, when the scripture does that? There's, there's a part where people got saved, then they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then only after that they got baptized in water. How's that? I love that. When I read that, when I got that, I was always taught, saved, baptized, and then you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And since I was a good, obedient boy, my mindset was fixed on that. And then I started reading the scriptures, and I saw my experience was different than other people's. And then I started reading, and I just saw it was actually flipped. Got saved. Then the person got filled or baptized or overcome by the Holy Spirit, and then they got baptized in water. You see, it's the Lord God. But my friends, it doesn't matter so much to me how it happens and what you call it. What happens to me is that we need to start to have a desire that the Scriptures puts within our hearts about these things. And that is what the study of the book of Acts and reading these wonderful, wonderful um, Stories in the book of Acts does, it gives us a desire. And when we live our lives through the glorious new covenant, you'll find out that you don't have to desire for too long. For God 
to give you exactly what you need. I remember a wonderful instance of a very good friend of mine. Um, he came back to Jesus, and he was never baptized in water, as the scriptures declares and states. And we were sitting actually in that corner over there. And he said to me, Piet, what is this thing that I'm reading in the book of Acts called? The baptism of the Holy Spirit or the promise of the Holy Spirit. What is it? Can you explain it to me? And so I just took him through the book of Acts. My friends, I believe we listen to the word of God. Amen. I don't listen to church history. I don't even listen to what churches sometimes say about church history. I've got to read the word of God and see it for my own eyes. And when I do, and when you show it to people, it is amazing how God comes and just does something. And so I showed him the scriptures on where God pours out his Holy Spirit on people after salvation, which we see in the book of Acts here so clearly. And I said to him, and it was actually my friend Bill, Many of you would know Bill. He died a few years ago. But God gave him a wonderful, I think it was six or seven years after they declared that he would only live for six months. And he lived for five, six years. And we sat there and I just prayed for him. Prayed for him. And um, he says, what is going to happen now? I said, I don't know. I said, all that we want to do is obedient and do it according to the word of God. That's all that's important to me. Just do it according to the word of God. And we did it. And he said to me, Pat, Pat, I can't pray out loud. I've never been able to pray out loud. And I just led him in a prayer to pray out loud. And he started to pray out loud. And that night, he went home. And I knew something was going to happen because, you see, there was a desire within the heart of that. You know, as I read the word of God, um, he was cut to the heart as these people were. They were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? My friends, when God just cuts us to the heart, it's amazing what the response are. And my prayer is that God would cut some of us to the heart today. It would get to the heart. And we say, what should I do? That's humility. When we say, what should I do? And when we have humility within our hearts, God does amazing things. And Bill said, oh, what should I do? I said, I'm going to pray for you. And then we leave these things over to God. I said, we receive God's gift and his gifts by having faith in him. It's a grace gift that he gives us. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You can never be good enough to receive it. It's like salvation. You know, he gives it to you. It's a wonderful thing. Relax. Paul looked at me, and so he prayed the prayer with me, and that night he went home. And how many of you know that God surprises us every now and then? And Bill got into bed, and he laid back, and Hanley was asleep. Men don't try that at home. And she was asleep, and he just got into the bed. And as he was sitting there, he started praying in English. And as he started praying, something took over his tongue, and he started praying in a language that he had never studied. Just there. And he experienced something of the Holy Spirit 
just over his life there. It wasn't forced. It wasn't coerced. It is just as the Bible says. It would be Jesus came and just poured out his Holy Spirit upon Bull there that day. And Bull was marked by Christ. <laughs> and I've just entitled this talk today, being marked by Christ. My friends, all of us in our Christian walk, every now and then, just need to be marked by Christ. Why don't I ask you the question? When last have you been marked by Christ? Do you know how it happened to me as a, as a Christian? It was wonderful. Bill started to speak in, in a language that he didn't know. You could call it tongues. You can call it a language. But it changed his prayer life. And Bill's desire in Christ just to be faithful and to serve him was so real. And him and I had such amazing times of fellowship before he died. I miss him terribly still. Wonderful friend. But there was that desire for Jesus. I remember he was in South Africa before he died, and I phoned him. I said, how you, Bill? He says, do you know what, Piet? I'm ready to see Jesus and to meet Jesus. How wonderful is that? I'm ready to meet Jesus. He said, don't be sad for me. He says, I'm ready to meet Jesus. He says, yes, it's hard to say goodbye to everyone, but he says, I'm ready. Hanley said to him, and all of you who know Hanley, she says, Bill, I'm going to get you right. You're not going to die. <laughs> Bill said, I'm ready to meet Jesus. But my friends, this man met Jesus being mocked by him. Filled with the Holy Spirit, a joy and a passion for Jesus. My friends, if you lack that, you just need to say, Lord, just within the next few weeks, would you mock my life? Would you mark my life? I remember as a young teenage boy, I had such a passion and a desire for Jesus at a young age, at about the age of nine or ten. And I remember I just wanted more of God, just more of God. And it must have been at the age of about 15, 16 hours. I went from different church groups to different church groups. And I remember, you know, the one Thursday night in a home, you know, people were praying and we were worshiping God and I'd never uh, people oftentimes it's if you filled with the Holy Spirit you've got to speak in tongues and I've never spoken in tongues and at the age of about 15 16 I remember that in that meeting someone spoke in tongues in that meeting which is biblical and scriptural as the Bible says and I was the first one there I mean, there were very mature believers there. I was one of the more immature believers. And I just felt the Holy Spirit started to speak through me in English. And I interpreted that tongue. And a little bit later, God started to speak through my words prophetic messages to the people. That was attested to be true. My friends, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I didn't first speak in tongues. I prophesied first. That's just to throw you off 
your little formula. I don't like formulas. I don't like it when people put different people in different camps or experience. It's your experience, your experience. But you see that in the word of God. People prophesied. People spoke in tongues. People spoke the word with God. As a matter of fact, there was miraculous signs that followed people. My friends, I'm not smart enough as a theologian and teacher to put all of these things in a neat little package. And those guys who do it, what I found is that it's not true for everyone in exactly the same way. Can you say amen to that? Do you have faith for that, church? Let God do it for you in his way, but desire it and ask for it. Let him mark you. Again and again and again. And then you will see the outflow of it within the verses that we read where it says that these people, after they repented, baptized, and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, that promise for that was for them and for their children and for everyone afar off. The scripture says, then they, can we read those verses? Let me just quickly, in the process I've put my, those, my Bible here. In verse 42. Can you just put for, verse 42 and we close with the scripture before the children come in. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves. What is the word I want you to note there? They devoted. People who are marked by Christ devote themselves. That means they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship. That means they got together, they came, and they were the church together. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. He didn't have to say to them, you've got to be at prayer meeting on Tuesday night. Why? Because they devoted themselves to it. He didn't have to say, you've got to be at Sunday services on time at 10 o'clock. Why? Because they devoted themselves to it. He didn't have to say to get your children. Do you know that song, get you, uh, get your children, well, I won't sing the song to you, but get your children at the kids' church on time. At 10 doesn't get there. No, they were devoted to do it. My friends, when we're devoted, we change the way we do things practically. But not through a legalistic system where we force you to do it, but it's because a fire has started within your heart. Lift church. Those of you online, Visitors, if you're a part of another church, the greatest gift that you can give to your church is to be devoted. And that happens when you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, empowered by the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit.